Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. It's great to see you. Thanks for being here today. And uh, I heard on the news we might get like two inches of rain in the next couple days, which is, hey, settle down. I was told if it was colder, it'd be 20 inches of snow. No, 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 no. Nobody who has to shovel is cheering that, okay? I'm just saying... This is how the rest of the world gets to celebrate winter and uh, welcome to it. Maybe some of you are like, I don't like it. It's fine. January's coming. It'll probably be different, you know? And then there's February and there's March and hopefully Jesus comes back by then because I don't want to shovel it. Well, anyway, it's great to be with you here today. And uh, also, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but today is actually Elisa Ross's birthday. So Elisa, I believe in Happy birthday to Elisa. She posted on there, if you get her a gift, wrap it in birthday wrapping and not Christmas paper. And uh, I'm like, it's fine. Whatever you want to wrap my gift in, it's fine with me. You know, so whatever way you want to do that, but uh, happy birthday to Elisa and uh, uh, we're sure grateful for your participation here today. Well, uh, Celebration has a lot of people from different backgrounds. Some people grew up in Minnesota, so you're used to the cold. Other people did not grow up here, and so you're loving these warmer temperatures. Some people uh, grew up out of the country, in the country. Some people grew up rooting for winners. Some people rooted for the Vikings. Like, it's just, there's... First service loved that joke, by the way. I just want you to know, you're all offended. They laugh, because it's true. Pastor Dan has rooted for the Vikings his whole life. They've never won. Listen, you lost. We lost. I'm here now. I'm sharing the pain. I don't know why I do it to myself. But my point is, this wasn't about the losing of the Vikings. What I'm saying is, welcome. Whether you grew up in church, some people grew up in a liturgical church, like a Catholic or Lutheran church. And uh, so you know what an Advent wreath is about. Coming means coming Advent. And so we're looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. You're used to lighting the, the center candle, the white candle representing Jesus last. But we're not lighting it last this year. We're lighting it first because we only had four Sundays. Now we're celebrating Christmas Eve on a Sunday morning. So it's all kind of different instead of a night. So we're going to light it first. But because the candles burn a little bit quicker with the HVAC on, we're going to light it after I pray. And so it's just different, right? We have different traditions. These are not in the Bible. How many people are going to let your kids open up some kind of gift today? It's Christmas Eve. Let me see your hand. How many people are going to be mean and wait till tomorrow? Let me see your hand. Okay. Nobody likes you. I'm just saying, like, let them open one. I don't know whatever it is. That's fine. We used to do stockings and then uh, now we don't. And it's like a big bag. And so I'm not sure what happened, but my wife said that's what we're doing. And so we're loving it. And uh, whatever your traditions are, that's fine. Maybe in your nativity set, yours has three wise men as part of the nativity set. That's not biblically accurate. They weren't there. Some people are like, why would anybody get a baby gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Nobody did. 
<laughs> they didn't show up when Jesus was born. It was like two years later, which seems a little bit more weird and awkward, actually. I'm not sure what a toddler would do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He was starting his IRA. Jesus knew he wasn't going to retire. He's like, I don't need gold. It's streets of it. Anyway, church jokes. But welcome. Whatever your tradition of coming to church, going to church, never hearing about church, whatever situation you find yourself in, welcome here to celebration today. We're going to be lighting these candles, but we're going to be doing it in a mixed up order. And that's okay because it doesn't matter. There's no Bible verse that says you got to light Christmas candles on an Advent wreath. You can put the wreath on your door. You can light the candles, whatever it is, it's okay. Now I want to warn you up front. I wish that this message had a lot more jokes and a lot more smiles and a lot more like, woohoo, it's Christmas, confetti. What does confetti have to do with Christmas? I don't know, but we don't have any. But as you noticed, uh, if you got one before on your way out, uh, the 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting booklet, our theme is battle ready. And for whatever reason, in my writing and praying, it just feels like a little bit of that. But take heart, uh, Jesus is still overcome and uh, we're gonna win. Not sure about today with our football team, but in the end, as followers of Jesus, we're going to win. And so uh, just remind yourself, maybe we'll take a little smile break in the middle of the message, because there's some parts that I'll admit don't feel like, woohoo, Merry Christmas. But that's only if we view it in light of today. If we take a bigger look at eternity ahead, then we recognize that all the struggles we're going through uh, won't last forever. And Jesus said we'd go through them, but in the end, he says the end will come and this is then what we look forward to, spending eternity with him forever. Amen? Amen? All right, Isaiah chapter nine. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. If you're able, would you stand to your feet as we read God's word together? Uh, thanks again for your generosity. Uh, looked up our uh, Kingdom Builders giving in the last, I don't know whether that is seven weeks, however long two months is. The month isn't over, is uh, 39,000 and some, so we're, we're probably gonna hit that 50,000. So thanks so much for your partnership in that. Isaiah chapter nine, the Bible reads like this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's encouraging to us because I heard it's supposed to be getting lighter now in Minnesota. Uh, we're, we're thankful for that. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, northern Minnesota, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation. You've increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Verse six, for to us a child is born. This is our verse for today. And to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We're talking today about the great gift of love. We're going to light the love candle, but uh, there's no greater gift of love than the gift of Jesus. And so we celebrate him and thank God for that gift today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We receive his love yet again today. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help us all leave more like you, Lord Jesus, today. And we ask it in that name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hopefully you got a note sheet there. We're talking about love. Now, we are doing things however we want this year when it comes to the Advent wreath. If you grew up uh, like I said, in, in that liturgical church, oh, I got 
wax on the lighter. That's not good. That's all right. This last service. It still works. No problem. You couldn't have seen it anyway, but look at that. I'm just giving you a behind-the-scenes view. So we're lighting the Jesus candle first. Normally, we light it last, but that's just the way it happens. And so we're focusing this year on the reality that we've already received the gift of Jesus. We're looking forward to his soon return, but everything that we have is because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have hope, and we have joy, and we have peace, and we have love. Dare I say it's only because of Jesus or apart from Jesus, we can't really have hope. We can't really experience love. We can't truly have peace and joy in our life apart from Jesus. But thanks be to God, he gave Jesus to us. Emmanuel means God with us. We no longer are having to try to get to him, but he has come to us. And so it's that great love that we celebrate and give him thanks for today. So that's the one we're lighting right now. We're talking about love. Now, some of you are thinking, shouldn't I light the other candles first? No. I mean, maybe, but no, I'm not gonna, because each of the points is gonna have peace, hope, or joy in it. So if you look at your note sheet, you see there on the first one, the word is joy. Love proclaimed joy in the past. So we're going to light the joy candle or the one that is traditionally considered joy. And I'm doing it right the first time. There we go. We're talking about the fact that love proclaimed joy in the past. I saw last night Christmas Carol on TV and then thought about that Christmas past or whatever those were. I wasn't paying attention, but uh, past present and future, but don't write it down yet in the notes, but news spoiler alert, those are the points. (laughs) Here we go. Let's look at this. He says, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given. This happened in the past. We, We have talked about that because we've already received Jesus. It happened in the past. Now, when this was given, it was a forward prophecy. Isaiah through the ministry of the Holy Spirit was saying what would happen, but we of course know this is what has happened. Now, when we look back at the past, I know many of us struggle to find joy in our past. We can look back. Have you noticed how easy it is as humans to remember the bad things, the tough times, and we forget the good things? We could have 10 nice people talk to us throughout the day, and that one meanie head, that one jerk that the devil used to say something mean to us, And all of a sudden we're like, everybody hates me. No, not everybody hates us. Just one person needs to get their mouth washed out with soap. If their mother would have loved them, they'd have done it to them. (laughs) But right, we, we, we remember the bad. And so it's tough for us sometimes to look in the past and experience joy. Because so many of us these days, we look at, Numbers, statistics in our society have uh, experienced the pain of a broken home. And when we look back at the past, at Christmases, we, or, or maybe an abuse that was committed against us. And while so many people are like, oh, Christmas, family time, when we look at our past, it's a universal we, by the way. I'm not saying that about my family. I'm just saying When we look at our past, when you look at your past, you might be dreading these moments or you look in the past and you don't have joy because you remember what wasn't or what was that was committed against you. And so it's tough for us as 
fallen human beings in this world, this life of struggle, when we look in the past to see joy, but aren't you thankful it's not about our past, but what's happened in the past, and it was that Jesus came to us. In other words, love proclaimed joy not because of the way our childhood was or because of things that we did or wish would have happened. This is because of what God has done for us a long time ago. The Christmas story is most uh, succinctly contained there in Luke chapter two. And the Bible says that the shepherds, they were out minding their own business in the field at night and angels showed up and they said, behold, we've got good news that will cause great joy. And it will be for all the people. I don't know if you knew this or not, but all the people includes you and me. It's not just the people that had a good or an easy childhood. It's not just the important people. The the Bible says the angels came to shepherds and this probably was the first time in their life they felt included in all the people. They had spent their time, you know, on the outskirts of town on the hill. And I can only imagine they didn't have social media. And so news would have traveled a little bit slower in their day. So when one person heard a story, and did you hear what happened to Sally and Susie and John? And it would take longer to get to the shepherds. Well, they were on the outskirts. They, they kind of smelled a little bit different. <laughs> I mean, think about it like, go further back. If you grew up in church, are you familiar with the story of young David? Before he was King David, his own dad didn't even think he would qualify as a son. The prophet was like, bring me your sons. David got, or I mean, uh, everybody but David. He was like, don't you have any more? He's like, oh yeah, we got one. He's a shepherd though. How lowly of a duty is shepherd if your own dad is like, oh yeah, I forgot about one son. Does he even count? He's a shepherd. This is the economy of the day. And these shepherds would have been my guess. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't think you were either, so just go along with my guess here today. I would guess that these shepherds were used to, they were accustomed to hearing things after everybody else. They were at the end of the telephone game. They, they would hear things at the end, and on this night, everything changed for them. They were not the last ones to hear, but they were the first ones to hear. Have you ever been in a room full of people and it seems like everybody else knows the joke and you have no clue what's going on? Sometimes I feel like that moving to Minnesota when you guys talk about the Halloween snow of 1991. It did happen. I've heard. I've seen pictures online, you know, and and of the streets and some, some stuff you wish you didn't have to experience, you know, but, but these shepherds were no longer on the outside. They were the inside. This good news brought great joy. I wonder what they would have felt like the night that the Savior was born. It was good news to them. By the way, it's still good news to us. (laughs) And therefore, since it's still good news, our joy ought to be great still as well. I just want to remind you, maybe some of you need to remind your face that you have great joy. I don't mean just now. I'm just saying like in your everyday life, there ought to be something different about you because our news is still good and it's still good for everybody. So like if you were uh, a salesperson, would you want to buy what you're selling? I'm talking spiritually speaking here. 
You're like, oh, my life's terrible. Well, who wants what you've got? I'm just saying, put a smile on, not because of fake happiness, but because of internal joy that says, even when I got laid off, I know my God will provide. Even though I got a bad doctor's report, I know he's going to come through. Even though it doesn't seem like it on the outside, I've got something on the inside. I've got joy. It's good news that will cause great joy. It's not happiness because of things that have happened in our past or a lack thereof. It's joy because the Savior has come to us. Thanks be to God, we couldn't get to him, so he came to us. Aren't you thankful that the eternal God stepped into time and made a way for us to be saved? <laughs> what a proclamation of joy that night to the shepherds. The ones who were on the outside were now brought to the inside. For the first time, perhaps, in their lives, they were deemed important enough to be the recipients of news for the first time. They didn't have to hear it from somebody else. The message was brought directly to them. Perhaps uh, that night that the Savior was born, it caused them to feel that great joy. Remember, it was just a week ago when we talked about joy, the joy triangle that God gives joy to us. That was the gift of Jesus. And then we share joy with others. It's not supposed to stay with us. Even as we end our time here today and we're going to light our candles, I'll receive my light from the light of Christ. I'll share it with the staff. They'll bring it to your row. We'll pass along. I'll give the instructions again at the end. It's okay. But when you receive your light, you're not supposed to just say, my candle's lit. I guess that's all that matters. No, we receive and we share it with somebody else. That's what we ought to do with the joy of Jesus in our lives, that we receive from him and then we should share it with others. You are God's plan to share his light with your neighbor. You are God's plan to share his light with your coworker. Sometimes I hear it all the time, like, oh, I don't work with any Christians. Lucky you. Most of mine already know him. There's two we're still praying for, but most of the rest of them just... <laughs> Come on, like, this is our moment. What we've been given, we can share with others. And I remind you, your light seems the brightest when things are the darkest. My light doesn't shine that bright on a regular basis because everybody's got the light too. So if you're the only one in your workplace, what a difference you get to make by bringing his light into that dark place. It's joy. He, he, he comes to us and we share it with others. And then the way we live, our testimony brings joy back to God. You can give him joy by the words that you speak, the actions that you take, the way you live. But I want you to know, friends, maybe you've felt like you're on the outside or, or lowly or smelly like the shepherds. I want you to know that you too are worthy of the message of good news that brings great joy. It's not about something like, well, pastor, you don't know all the things I've done. You're right, I don't, but he does. And he still says you're worthy to receive the forgiveness of all of your sins to be made new. Hallmark ripped off God. <laughs> who was the original one who cared enough to send the very best. Because he sent his son Jesus, his one and only son, so that you and I could hear his love proclaimed 
proclaiming joy in the past. Number two, love promises hope in the future. So now we're going to come to this. We're going to light the hope candle. Slowly, but we're going to do it. Love promises hope in the future. Here we find, as we continue to read in verse six, the government will be on his shoulders. You can have hope in the future, which is different than hope for the future, but I'll get to that in a few minutes. This is the promise that we've been given, and the one who made the promise is God. We've all been given promises by other people, maybe by our kids, our, our loved ones, people we meet, maybe ourselves. And, and, and we've had good intentions to fulfill those promises, but something happened and, and we didn't fulfill them. But the one who gave this promise is faithful. He can't help but fulfill his word and therefore we know it will happen. You know, it's a common thing for parents to want to give their kids a better life than they had when growing up. Uh, it's nothing wrong with that either, by the way. I don't, uh, it's not a message against that. So uh, maybe you want to take them on a vacation to see something you didn't get a chance to see, or you want to help them buy a car because you didn't get that help, or with college, or, or I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe you have something different on your list, but I do hear it all the time. And for what it's worth, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I don't think it's wrong to say we want to help provide something for our kids that we didn't have. But I hope um, that we don't limit those desires to purely financial things or societal status items, right? We, we ought to include spiritual things. We ought to say, you know, maybe you are the first one in your family to begin to follow Jesus. You can say, I want to raise my kids in the ways of God. I want them to experience the gifts of the Spirit in their life at a younger age than I was able to. So it's okay to want to provide some better education for them or transportation or memories, but let's include the things that will last a lot longer and say, we want these things for the next generation. We want to impart spiritual things. Um, I think it's a good thing for us as uh, Americans to want to help create a world for our kids to grow up in that is objectively better than what we experienced. I think that's an honorable pursuit. However, now this is the part that was eerily silent in the first service, so it's okay. Your silence will not scare me. I think a lot of us have realized as the days continue to get darker in our land that it's become more and more difficult, unrealistic even, for us to craft a world for our kids that is better all around than what we had. And I, I don't want to be like the bearer of bad news to you here, but you're going to be battle ready. <laughs> I don't actually believe we can make this world a better place than what we grew up in. But now that's not because um, I'm this uh, foreign or domestic policy expert or, or financial guide or anything like that. It's, this is not based upon my opinion of whether or not I, how I think next year's gonna go. It's based upon the words of Jesus himself who said not only in this world will we have trouble, he said there's going to be some bad stuff that's going to happen. He said nation is going to rise against nation. He didn't say nations are going to just be real hunky-dory with each other. Not because that's what 
not what he wanted, but he just recognized part of the human condition is that we spin more and more out of control. That's one thing that, that as I've looked at, I, I don't fully understand the idea that, that we could uh, evolve you know, from slime and we got better because in my lifetime, everything's gotten worse. Like we hate each other more than we used to. What, what did Jesus say? Nation will rise against nation. There's gonna be wars and there's gonna be rumors of wars. Merry Christmas, Pastor Derek. This is the part I was talking about. Jesus went on to say, food will become in short supply. And then the end will come. So I'm not saying that we should not try to improve things. I think, you know, throw your recycling in the recycling bin. Help your neighbor out. Be kind. Raise your kids to be courteous. Let's make chivalry great again in our country. I don't know. Hold the door open for anybody. Take a look. Quit being so consumed with ourselves and our phone at the stoplight that we don't pull forward and let somebody make a free right turn. <laughs> I mentioned that a while back, but it was worth repeating. <laughs> but the truth is, there is no human endeavor that we can participate in that's gonna fix what ails mankind. We can't vote it into being, we can't legislate it, we can't popularize it, because nation will rise against nation, wars and rumors of wars, people are gonna fight over, and then the end will come. Which means we probably should not have hope for the future. but we still can have hope in the future. Hope for the future is limited to our team winning, our kid making the honor roll, whatever good thing that you wanna see happen. But spoiler alert, all those things still come to an end. So even if it happens once, this win-loss scenario, if you feel like, oh, that's how I'm hoping for the future, I mean, the other team's got to lose for yours to win. You ever thought about that? Like, that's the way it works. And therefore, society, all of us, really cannot have hope for the future. However, the body of Christ, the followers of Jesus, the people of God can and should have hope in the future. Hope in the one who was and is and is to come. His name is Jesus. And he is the hope that we have in the future. It says the government will be future speaking on his shoulders. I remind you, this is more about his kingdom than it is the way we think government. We hear government and we think every four-year election cycle, we think, you know, what's on the ballot. But spoiler alert, justice and righteousness in his kingdom are never up for a vote. He will rule and he will reign. So we can't make a better world for our kids, but one day, the Bible says he'll come back and he'll create a new heaven and a new earth. That is our hope in the future. As we've talked about, there's hundreds of governments in our world today. History is filled with nations rising and falling. There's cycles of of people coming into power, ruling and eventually collapsing or, or falling back, but there's always been the same two kingdoms. Kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness. Well, maybe not always two. There used to be just one kingdom. And then Satan, who was kind of like this 
the main worship leader, he was like, you know what? I think I should be worshiped instead of giving him worship. And as it turns out, he was sorely mistaken. <laughs> he was wrong and a bunch of angels got kicked out with him. And now ever since that day, God gave him permission, which seems a little bit weird. We're like, why doesn't he stop him? One day he will, but he gave him permission to kind of spread things in the shadows. It's no coincidence then that it's called the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> it's in the darkness, in the shadows, that those lies, those whispers become amplified. He's still whispering the same lies into mankind's ears that he did back in the garden. Yeah, that first lie to Eve, did God really say? Seems like we hear that question being asked on a repeated basis these days in our land. Did God really say, is this still really the roadmap, the guidebook for our lives? Did God really say? Even in the last week or so, we've lost track of a little bit of time, but we, we see... Religious leaders, people, including the Pope, wanting to t deviate from 2,000 years of orthodox beliefs. Because we're, we're, we're asking, we're, we're, we're setting aside the truth of God's word for cultural acceptance and The Bible says that one day the rule and reign of Satan, that kingdom of darkness, will come to an end. That they will eventually be cast into the lake of fire. It was a place created for, not for humans, but, but, but those who don't put their hope and their trust, those who don't surrender their life to Jesus Christ will suffer the same torture and torment of separation from the Father forever. But when that day comes, it will be made even more clear the difference between the kingdom of darkness and light. There will be no more wondering. There will be no more questions. And that's all going to happen in the future. So I pray that you cling tightly to the hope that we've been given in the future, whose name is Jesus. Number three which has four subpoints, so that's why I had to get to it kind of quickly. <laughs> Love provides peace in the present. Love provides peace in the present. It says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Did you know there's 900 or more, I don't know, named, descriptive names for God in the Bible? Don't worry, I'm not going to explain all of them here today. <laughs> But there is four in our verse, and therefore I think it's wise for me to share about them. Aren't you thankful that your God cannot be fully described in just one name? Amen. By the way, he can't be fully described in 900 names. There's no way to ever describe him fully. We'll never fully understand this side of eternity of really who he is. We, we, we get pictures by what he does, but it's more than what he does. It's who he is. Sometimes dads, moms always tell the truth, but sometimes dads, we've been guilty of exaggerating the truth a little bit. And I'm not talking about when we're sick. I'm just saying like for our kids, 
We're like, my kid's the best football player ever. He could throw the football 100 yards. It's like, settle down. He can't. That's why he's still in Little League. You know, whatever it is, we, we might exaggerate. Or fishing stories. I don't go fishing, but maybe you do. And you're like, it was the biggest rainbow trout ever. And we're like, mm, even I know. Probably not. You know, like, we, we can exaggerate. When we read here in Scripture what God is saying about who his son would be, this is no exaggeration. When he says, wonderful counselor, it's not like, well, he'll be fine. No, 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 wonderful counselor. We read, oh, uh, mighty God. I'm telling you, friends, this is no exaggeration. This is who Jesus is. Look, look at these four things. And I, I, I put down a gift of each of these because I believe Jesus is the greatest gift ever given to us. And so I wrote down uh, a gift that I believe is represented in each of these four names. Wonderful counselor, I believe, is the gift of wisdom. I think we need this gift. I think we need all of them, by the way. There's no like, oh, I don't need that. If it's from God, if it's from Jesus, you ought to want it. We ought to want whatever he has for us. But, but I think when I look around our land today, we are in most desperate need for this gift this morning. Uh, we've got plenty of information but not much insight. We, we've got lots of knowledge, but not nearly enough wisdom. We've got easy access to Google, but sadly, we don't really call grandma. What I mean is, we know how to get the recipe, but we don't really know how to make it work. Which is, I think, one of the reasons why our society is struggling so much these days. Why, why people are having such a hard time within this stuff. As I mentioned, it's people all over setting aside the truth of God's word. I heard one pastor buddy of mine, he said, I don't know why people think they need to be God's PR team. Saying, well, God didn't really mean that. And this is what he probably would say today. And quit making excuses for things God said. Amen. We need his wisdom. And one of my concerns for us in 2023 as we look into 2024 is we think as we have more technological advancements, as we have more degrees and we see things further with telescopes and we, we think we've learned so much more. I pray we never think we've learned so much that we don't need him. Because history is filled with people, societies, who felt like they learned enough, they achieved enough, they accumulated enough that they no longer needed his help. And whenever humans have decided, it's the same story, friends, Adam and Eve in the garden. They were like, you know what? Maybe God didn't say, maybe we'll be just like him. What were they really saying? Who does he think he is? And humans have been saying the same thing ever since. And whenever we depart from doing what he instructs us to do, humans, we always end up in a world of hurt. We hurt ourselves and we hurt others. And so I pray that in these days where we feel like we're developing uh, 
technologies and intelligences and everything else, I pray that we as followers of Jesus never feel like there's a substitute for the truth of God's word, the wisdom that only he can give us in these days. The the second name, descriptive name here is wonderful counselor. And I believe this is the gift of his uh, uh, mighty God. Sorry, I just repeated that. Mighty God. You're like, say it again. I already did. Mighty God, the gift of his warfare, warfare. I don't know how anybody can read this verse, see the words mighty God, and come away with a picture of a weak, sissy, strictly pacifist picture of who Jesus is. Like you don't have to study the original language to figure out what mighty might be referring to. Of course, we could think of words like conquering king. Well, that makes sense. Why is it then that we overlook, could it be, because refer back to point number one, we had, did God really mean that? We've, we've separated Old Testament God, New Testament God, like he's a different person. He's mighty God. This gift of warfare would have spoken volumes to the children of Israel, and I pray it does to the people of God still today. They knew that nothing could oppose or thwart the purposes of their God. I think far too many Christians feel like God is fragile. Because the way we freak out about stuff all the time, we lose our minds. And it's as if we view that our God is too little. Here he is, mighty God. I remind you that Jesus didn't just come to comfort us, but he came to conquer for us. Now, I remind you, like, the believers in those days didn't fully comprehend as they were looking forward. They, they heard conquering. They were like, good, get Rome. Let's take them over. Now we'll finally get to be on top. But that's not really what Jesus came to conquer, right? The Bible says he would defeat all of our enemies, primarily death, hell, and the grave. This is who he is. I remind you, sin Because of Jesus, because he's our mighty God, sin no longer has power over you. It's that picture I'll never forget. had to be 20 years ago almost in in our church in uh, Olympia. And our pastor, Pastor Dale, said, how many people didn't sin this week? He's like, I'm raising my hand. And all of us were too scared to raise our hand. We're like, of course I sinned. He's like, well, what was your sin? I mean, I don't know. I just know for sure I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm always, he's like, I didn't sin this week. He said, you know, the truth is you don't have to sin this week either. He said, you might if you got little kids, but, but you don't have to. It's not that sin doesn't have a pull on us anymore. It's that it doesn't have the power to dictate to us anymore. We have a choice. Being tempted is not a sin. You have the opportunity, the option to say, no thanks, I'm going his way. You don't have to continue to sin because the power of sin is now broken, but it's a choice that we all must participate in. We have to, let me say it another way. Your addictions, your hurts, your hangups all bow to your conquering champion. 
You are more than your previous bad decisions. You are more than your current situations. Why? Because he is our mighty God. Don't live less than what he's designed for you to live. Your conquering king, your mighty God. Here, the third one is everlasting father. I got to keep moving. Everlasting father. I think this is the gift of his warmth. The Hebrew phrase here can be translated father of eternity. Now, I happen to have had a great earthly dad and dad-in-law, father-in-law. That's the word we say. Those that didn't know, Pastor Dan is my father-in-law, married their daughter Dana. uh, But maybe you didn't grow up in a great home like my wife and I did. Uh, I mean, we grew up in different homes. I'm just saying she had a great home. I had a great home. I'm worried about these candles. They're burning really fast. It made me just say weird things. So, um, I mean, she has a brother named Derek, but it's a different Derek. It's not me. And so Bible, what am I talking about here? The gift of warmth. Oh yeah. And so we each grew up in great homes. We had awesome dads, but maybe you are here and we know statistically in our society, a lot of people didn't grow up in a great home. Might've had a dad, but he was not present emotionally. Might've provided, you know, a home or maybe dad wasn't in the picture at all, or maybe there was a father figure in your life that took advantage of you in some way. Like these are the statistics, the stories that are represented in rooms where there's hundreds of people. I I had a good upbringing though. So I'm so thankful. When I look back on my childhood, I remember my dad helping coach my baseball team and we would go to the kingdom and watch the Seattle Mariners and Ken Griffey Jr. I I remember those kind of fun moments with my dad, even now when I'm grown and one of the toughest things about us moving here to Minnesota besides winter, but we came here in the summer, y'all were sneaky. He didn't call me in the winter, but we came here in the summer. But one of the toughest things about moving up here was leaving my parents there in North Carolina. Other than my wife, my dad is still my best friend. We talk all the time. We used to play golf together. But now it's been a joy after a year or so to have Dana's parents move from Wisconsin here to Minnesota, get to be with us. And so then it's been fun to get, I get to go to Timberwolves games with my father-in-law. We just went a couple weeks ago. We're texting all the time about free Arby's beef and cheddar from the Timberwolves app. I don't know if you knew this or not, but if they make 12 threes, you get a free beef and cheddar. You can tell them I sent you or Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know, but it's awesome. So, but whether you had a bad childhood situation with a dad or father figure or a great one like I had, nothing compares to the father of eternity. And, And we're all equal when it comes to our relationship with him. It's not based upon, did you win the birth lottery? Were you born into a good home? Maybe you're the first one to turn things around in your family tree. We're all equal, the foot of the cross. He is our everlasting father to each of us. We know in ancient times, many of the rulers were considered the father of their nation. In the Bible, we we can look back. Abraham became the father of many nations. Some people call him the father of our faith. In In our country, here in America, we've got the founding fathers. That's a big deal. But none of that compares to the one who was and is and is to come. And I want you to know that you have a good father of eternity. You have a good everlasting father, a father who cares for his children, protects and provides, and will not be limited by time or hindered in death. He is our everlasting father. The last one is he's our prince of peace. I put this down as that it's the gift of his workmanship. 
In Ephesians, we read that we're God's workmanship. I love the translation that says we're his masterpiece. Some of us are a bigger piece of work than others, but you know, he's working on us all. And I think that's what this means, this Prince of Peace. He's not done working on us, in us, or through us. As mentioned, God demonstrated his love toward us. We're talking about his love today. He demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the peace that we receive when we accept the work of his hands in our lives when we allow him to mold our lives as the potter does to the clay, as we allow him to say, this is how I've created you. This is the direction I have for you. This is how I wanna mold you for everything that you have going forward. And it's this peace that he places inside of us that can't be taken away by anything that's happening all around us. Our society spends billions of dollars on advertising, trying to tell you who you are and what you need and what you want. But it's that Prince of Peace that comes and makes a deposit on the inside. The only way that we have his lasting peace is by receiving his forgiveness here on Christmas Eve of 2023. If you're not right with God, you can be. You can receive his love that will grant you peace. It's the greatest gift of all. Most of us here today have already received that gift, but we all have that opportunity. In a moment, we're gonna light candles and the the light spreads from one to the next. And that's the same way that we offer the hope of Jesus to you today. Simply share what he's done in my life, people's lives in your row around you. If you lack peace in your life today, you can receive his peace by accepting his forgiveness in your life today. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes here this morning. And in a moment, I wanna pray for anybody here watching online that feels far from God. If you were honest, you'd say, Pastor, I don't have that peace. I need that gift of peace in my life. I need to receive his love. I need to receive all that he has for me. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for you. But before I do, I'm gonna count to three and ask you to lift your hand just as a a signal, a way of saying, Pastor, that's me. If you're gonna pray, would you pray for me? I need to receive Jesus today. I need the greatest gift of all. The Bible says (laughs) it's a free gift for you, but it costs Jesus his life. See, our sins separated us from God. Every time that we said we're going our way, we're departing from the truth of God's word, It's a sin and it separated us from him. But he sent Jesus to make a way back for us. And each of us come to him in the same way through Jesus. And today, if you're not right with God, but you wanna be, you can be forgiven. Before we leave this place, you can leave with the greatest gift, the gift of life that comes through Jesus Christ. So when I count to three, I'm asking you to lift your hand then you can put it down. I'm gonna pray for you today. And the Bible says you're gonna be forgiven. You'll be made new. You don't have to leave in darkness, but you can leave with the light of Christ. So if you're not right with God, I'm gonna count to three, ask you to lift your hand, and I'm gonna pray for you. If that's you, one, two, three. Would you just lift your hand? Sure, sure, sure. Let me pray for you. You can put your hand down, maybe if you wanted to. Father, I pray for each one who lifted their hand in this moment 
as a sign of saying, Jesus, I need you. I want to be forgiven. I want to be changed from the inside out. I want to receive your love and your forgiveness today. Father, I pray that you'd forgive them of every sin in their life. Let nothing be hidden from your transformation in their life. May they leave totally new, forgiven in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.